from playing 18 to a full 60. Early leads to buzzer beaters. It all starts by getting on the board. Welcome inside episode 60 of On the Board. I'm Colby McKee out there in the stratosphere. Lance Dahl is with us. Hello. Howdy, sir. How's it going? Good. And how are you? Too bad, bud. Also on the line, Corey Bacoskis is here. Hey. Hey. How's it going out in the island there, sir? Oh, it's really rainy. Really, <laughs> really shitty, actually. But oh, oh, I mean, well, it's a change of pace because last time we talked, it was uh, what sunny and four degrees. Oh, I know. Yeah. Power's been on and off the whole week but i mean we're powering through should be a great episode tonight we'll uh touch on the wild card weekend that is in the nfl uh coming up this weekend also a special edition of tigers trivia hosted by Corey. he's back to uh stump us once again with some uh pretty doozy questions at least he's prepping lance and i for coming up in a little bit but we'll start as always with the world juniors uh it finally wrapped up there on tuesday and not the results that Canadian fans were looking for. A pretty dominant tournament all the way through, uh, at least in my opinion, uh, for Team Canada. But in the end, they fall to the United States 2 to nothing. We'll start with Lance. You can kind of take this wherever you want to go with it, the, the entire tournament in general. Team Canada, the final game. Uh, what's your overall thoughts for the 2021 World Juniors? Oh, anywhere I want to go. <laughs> that was fun, wasn't it? That was a lot of fun. To just have normalcy for like two weeks, like to just not really have something get derailed by COVID and to have a full tournament that, I mean, outside of the hiccup that some teams face coming into the bubble, like specifically Germany, um, went off without a hitch. And I mean, even Germany still found a way to flourish throughout the tournament. So uh, top to bottom, that was that was one of the most memorable World Juniors I've ever experienced. Um, and I think Canada's silver medal might be the most memorable silver medal ever at the World Juniors, considering the circumstances, the two-week quarantine in Red Deer, I mean, being together for 60 days, uh, the way they played up into uh, the gold medal game, and even the way they played the gold medal game, just not getting the right result. Uh, that was... That was far and away one of the best World Juniors I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I was kind of curious as to see coming in um, how different it would be from past years, whether there'd be some big upsets because, like, I don't know, I guess, like, a lot of the Canadians haven't played um, at all this year, and most of the Americans have, but some of their stars haven't. Um, but some of the Euros have been playing a lot. I was wondering to see if there'd be more upsets or not, but it was kind of on par for past years. I mean, um, the Czechs beat the Russians there, and, I mean, the Germ- Germany put on a, a good little show there, won two games. Um, it was a very entertaining World Juniors, and it was like like the playoffs in the summer is just what we needed just to get some hockey consistently back for us, and, yeah, it was fun to watch. I agree. It was uh, a great little mental relief, at least uh, trying to get some some hockey back while we wait for the big boys to start up here in the next uh, several days. Uh, in terms of that final game against the States, I mean, um, all tournament long, we were not us specifically, but, uh, you know, the experts were talking about Spencer Knight and the rough outing he had against the Russians there in game one got pulled. Um, but from then on, he was fantastic and he's got the pedigree and the resume uh, that he could have been a goaltender to steal a game. And against Canada going in, they were probably uh, heavy underdogs. 
and in all assets assets of the game. But uh, the combination of the defense, I know Lance, you talked about the D uh, of the States kind of locking down the middle in that final game, and Knight made some great saves uh, towards the, the end of the third there and kind of locked stuff down for the States in that victory. Yeah, I mean, you kind of look at it, and the player of the game ended up going to Spencer Knight, but I figured you probably could have gave it to the entire blue line of, of Team USA in that game. That was uh, an absolute clinic for 60 minutes on how to play in your own and responsibly. And because they knew Canada was going to come on hard in the first 10 minutes, like they had all tournament, every single game of the tournament, in the first 10 minutes, Canada dictated the pace of play. And then after that 10-minute mark, Canada's play would slowly taper off a little bit. It was enough, though, because they had built up significant leads across every single game they had played up until that final game. And when they didn't get the one in the first 10 minutes, they started to think, okay, how is this going to transition? And lo and behold, then the Americans start coming back. And their cycle was something that Canada couldn't defend against. And that was you, you saw that in stints for the majority of the tournament when Canada was facing pressure against higher tier teams whether that was the Finns or the Russians although the scoreline might not have been close when both of those teams got into Canada's zone they were able to cycle the puck well and work it basically wherever they wanted and Canada's defense turned into more of just like a a fire drill trying to find any way to cut through cycles so um, from every aspect I mean Team USA was seemingly more prepared and uh, and they just they, they came through in a little bit of puck luck uh, with a win, but I, I don't think Canada's effort was, was anywhere less than the rest of the tournament, nor do I think it was less than the Americans in that final game. Uh, it was just it was one of those things. You, you have the Byron post. You have a couple loose pucks in front of the net that go to the opposite side of, of your forwards that are crashing the net. It was just uh, – there was a lot of things that all rattled together, but the, the Team USA defense was just nuts. It was so good. Yeah, and I've, I've talked to the, or I've told these guys that my power was sadly out for most of the game. It finally came on back in the third, so I didn't get to watch the whole game. Um, but it seemed like, you know, just from everything that I've heard, talking with my brother, um, that, you know, the third period was kind of Canada's, and USA just kind of adopted a bend but don't break mentality in the defensive zone, and they just kept all their shots from what I saw in the third just outside of they'll show that that home plate area like um on on the tsm broadcast like they just keep it out of there um and i'm trying to think like obviously all the first rounders on canada this year but i can't think of anybody that's got a wicked shot like you know a nolan foot from last year or barrett hayton like somebody that can score from outside of that home plate consistently so um they probably just knew that there was a lot of playmakers a lot of you know kind of skill guys on Canada and just, just keep the pucks away from the center. Um, but yeah, just a great job by USA's defenseman. Um, yeah, I guess it was just uh, enough. I mean, if they play 10, you know, Canada probably takes six or seven out of them, but not this one. That is the, uh, the downfall of tournament play. It's, it's a one game you're done and it's happened on many occasions against the States. We in gold medal games, they kept talking about it on the broadcast. We haven't won, against the States head-to-head in a gold medal since 97. 
And there's this is now four occasions in a row where we, we failed against the States. Uh, so a silver medal comes the way of the Canadians. In terms of, uh, I mean, obviously, Cousins and Byram, uh, we'll touch on, on Levi in a second as well. Is there any other players that really caught your eye that played, um, you know, better maybe than you ever thought going into the tournament? And for me, the guy was Alex Newhook. I mean, he missed one of the games uh, with an injury. Uh, but he, his combination of speed and quickness really caught me by surprise. He created a lot of opportunities for uh, the, the, the forward group. And I really like the way he played. He brought a lot of energy, like I mentioned. And uh, I really appreciated his style of play uh, there in the front six. Uh, any other players, Lance, for you that kind of caught your eye? Yeah, that's uh, the new hook one is was one that stood out for sure. And I mean, he just conveniently is a first rounder of Colorado. So the rich get richer on that front, which is wonderful. Um, the The entire line of Dawson Mercer, uh, Suzuki, and Tomasino was was a bit of a difference maker for the most part. Uh, I, I mean, there was, what, a stretch of, I think, two or three games where when Dawson Mercer was on the ice, there was no shots on Canada's net. I mean, I don't really care who you're playing. That's a ridiculous number to go through for a stretch of tournament play like the world juniors level is right. So uh, that entire line stood out for me. Uh, I was a little upset that you didn't really see, I mean, I, I know Quentin Byfield's taking a lot of heat for, you know, being invisible quote unquote for majority of the tournament. I thought his presence was there. Uh, it's just one of those things that he wasn't finding points uh, outside of that one game where he picked up six. And so uh, when you kind of come with that pedigree of the second overall pick, it's it's kind of tough to it's it's tough if you don't necessarily put up a point per game in a tournament like this because you're just going to think or people are going to think you're not living up to expectation. Uh, and the other one was Jack Quinn. I really thought that Jack Quinn was a proven scorer. Well, he is from from his time in Major Junior, and I figured that would translate over well. And he just couldn't seem to to find any chemistry with anyone or or get anything going. So on both sides, good and bad, that, those are kind of the the, the couple that stood out. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. I just like for me, I I, I got to go with Thomas Harley, um, and I honestly can't really tell you why. Um, it just seemed like he was making the right play every time. Um, just looking at the stats, it, I don't know if you're a plus minus guy or you're not, but he led the team in plus minus. Um, you know, he just. He's a big body. He played one game in the bubble last year with Dallas, which was pretty big for an 18-year-old last year. Um, so I was interested to see what he would do in this tournament, what kind of role he would have. You know, I was interested to see what any defenseman, what, what kind of role they would have outside of Byram and uh, Drysdale because everybody knows those two from last year. Nobody else really knew the, the, uh, the three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys for, for Canada's defense. So um, I think he really stepped up. He was... Uh, he was very solid um, defensively. Um, didn't put up many points, but just a, a solid rock for for Canada back there. Um, and just to kind of piggyback off of you, Lance, yeah, Byfield. Um, it's weird. Like he was noticeable. Obviously, he's huge. He's he's very fast. He's very skilled. But um, yeah, you take away that one game, um, and he only puts up one point for the whole tournament. Like I just wonder. <laughs> if he just didn't have the right line mates or what the situation was. But like, you look at Tim Stutzler, who was drafted right b behind him. Like he absolutely carried. He was, he was one of the best forwards in the tournament. So I wonder if he comes back next year, if that's going to be something, or if that's, that's the last shot he's got at the world juniors. 
It's a good point. And uh, to to Byfield's point, I know you mentioned Drysdale as well. He was one of the players statistically didn't show out to only two points in the seven games uh, playing alongside Byram as well. I really expected uh, more of an offensive output, even power play uh, playing with Byram, playing with those skilled group of forwards, which we talked about with Troy last episode. Um, are you guys of the same opinion about Drysdale? Did he disappoint? Was he exactly where he was supposed to be uh, kind of playing the pivot role uh, alongside a guy like Byron? What's your, what's your opinion on Drysdale in this tournament? Yeah, my thing was the entire decor for Canada really didn't have to be activated that much throughout the tournament. And so I think that's why you might see the numbers a little bit lower point total wise for the decor as a whole, because up until that final game, I mean, there really was no need for D-men to jump into the rush. There wasn't, I, I mean, there was your, your typical breakout passes and, and starting plays, but um, in Drysdale's case, he's also running the second unit for the power play, and that unit was seeing about a quarter of, of power play time to the three quarters that the first unit was seeing on a regular basis. So uh, just a limited time there, and I think just the game plan and how maybe it even wasn't the game plan or just how the game shook out, but the, the Canada's D really didn't seem to have to need to get involved like that as much. Um, but when they like when they were active and walking the line and, and stuff like that, they, they were getting shots through. And so I think as a group and Drysdale including in that, I, I don't think uh, the point total was an accurate reflection for them of, of how they played. And and it's funny that you mentioned Thomas Harley, Corey, because I had uh, was texting Troy and my cousin. We're in a group chat together, and we would chat during the games, after the games, and all that stuff. And uh, I said to them in a text, I said, "Is it crazy that I think Thomas Harley might be the best skater on Canada's blue line?" And it wasn't just necessarily in a straight line. Obviously, if you look in a straight line, Bowen Byram's probably the guy. Mm-hmm. But the way that Thomas Harley, for his size, can move his feet and always be in the right position, whether it's someone that's cutting in on him, someone that's trying to take him wide. If he's switching guys, like his footwork to me was what stood out. And I was like, like this dude might be the best skater on team Canada. I'm not sure if he is, but it felt that way. So I, I get why you're saying he stood out that, but for me, that, that was the reason why Harley like kind of was like shining a bit. Yeah. I think D- Dallas has got a good prospect with him there. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know what to make of the uh, the Byram Drysdale pairing this whole tournament. Like, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty. If they win the gold, nobody's talking about this. But I mean, you got two offensive defensemen. Like, obviously Drysdale's points are going to be down because Byram really took the lead. He was the guy. He was the best best defenseman in the tournament. Um, I don't know. If, did he get that award? I don't know. But I thought he was. Um, he. Uh, yeah, I, I, you match two offensive guys, two guys used to being the guy on their junior team, which a lot of these guys are, but especially like, you know, these Byram's the best defenseman for Canada in his age group and Drysdale's the next best uh, in the uh, 2002 age group. Like, I don't know if those guys should have been paired together because you're diminishing possibly some offensive chances and one of them's got to stay back. Like, you guys know what I mean, right? Like, mm-hmm. um I, I don't know if, if uh, Terigny had a chance to do it over the whole tournament over if he'd pair him again. And yeah, it's just, it's tough to be so critical on such a good team when they, when they lose, but I mean, you got to find the hole in it somewhere. 
No, absolutely. Like I mentioned off the top, in my opinion, they played a pretty flawless tournament. They were uh, dominating. I mean, we can talk about the 16-2 game, but like in general, they just carried play. Like one of their toughest matchups against Finland there. Um, they carried play for a full 60. That was great. Um, and even against Russia, like just shut down a lot of the great offensive talent that Russia brought. And uh, in the back end of things, I mean, the overall weak spot we thought on this roster was going to be in goal. We talked about it with Troy last episode as well. And boy, did Devin Levi really live up to uh, crazy expectations and uh, and kind of surpass them. I mean, he had a .75 goals against, a 964 save percentage, three shutouts, which tied uh, Justin Pogge's record for the overall tournament. Uh, honestly, nothing you can say pretty terribly about Levi's performance. He, he definitely earned a uh, top goaltender there for Canada. Yeah, 100%. I mean... You hit the nail on the head. It's it's one of those performances from a Canadian goaltender that you'll you'll probably never forget, considering the run that he went on. I mean, I I wonder if part of what helped was the uncertainty of who was going to be Canada's goaltender, and when Levi had the opportunity, or they even got to Edmonton and Red Deer, when he was getting the game by himself, and the other two were splitting half and half. That was the beginning of an opportunity to kind of put your stamp on the goaltender spot for Team Canada. And when he puts up a shutout there, it kind of earns you the right to, to get in the net first. And all of a sudden, you, you just keep the momentum going. It's one of those things that, you know, a little uncertainty can, can help players here and there. And I think Devin Levi was one of those guys that definitely flourished within the uncertainty. Um and was able to take a spot where you don't really know what's going to happen next game. I mean, a lot of people thought Taylor Gauthier was going to be the starter, and he's the third goaltender on this team when it's all said and done. Um, I will say that I, I didn't think Taylor Gauthier was going to be the starter on this team, but uh, but I know a lot of people did. And so I'm just glad that Devin Levi got his shot as a guy who hasn't gotten a shot yet. Um, like He's clearly good enough. Andre Tunia said it himself when he said that, you know, I saw him play junior A, but he's playing junior A. Um, and when you give that guy the kind of opportunity and he runs with it and flourishes like, like he did, uh, I think the Florida Panthers are pretty darn happy with, with, with what the situation is in the coming years. Yeah, they just got to get rid of Bobrovsky's contract now. Jesus Christ. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's like there's no way to put it. It's one of the best goaltending performances, not just for Canada, but for the whole tournament. And the stats reflect it. Um, not to put a damper on it, but like a lot of like a lot of that success comes from the defense. Like I'm trying to think of a like some ten bell saves that he had to make or where he had to bail his defense out. Like there's a couple throughout the tournament, but like I just I think the defenseman did a very good job, much like the Americans did in the gold medal game where um, all the shots were low, low quality shots. Um, and he just like credit to him. He just made the saves that he had to. He's a very sound goaltender. He looked very comfortable in the net. Didn't look afraid of the situation at all or, or the moment. And, uh, yeah, like, like I texted you guys, like we thought that goaltending was going to be the problem for this tournament, but it turns out that was the only thing that really showed up in the final game. So, um, Good luck to him and uh, wherever he, or I think he's going to Northeastern and I hope that he, he gets on somebody's uh, map and maybe with the Florida Panthers in the NHL coming years, but yeah, good, good for him. 
Absolutely. If we were doing our uh, starters draft two, three weeks ago with this performance, I'm sure he would have been one of the uh, four goaltenders selected. I think with uh, the stats and the performance that he had there for Canada, uh, great stuff there from Devin Levi. Uh, one of the final points, at least for, for myself, Lance, you, we talked about this in the group chat the other day. Uh, not, a, not a big point, obviously, but just the, the refing um, situation that was uh, the all-Canadian lineup for, for all the games for obvious reasons and just the uh, amount of experience that a lot of these refs and line judges had uh, heading into the tournament. You just want to speak on that a little bit? Yeah, I saw the tweet come through after the game. Um, and it wasn't malicious in any way. It wasn't calling out anything from the gold medal game because if you watched it, I mean, I think each team was given one penalty. Um, every single offside was called fair. Ice teams were called fair. Um, Canada, USA, both teams were allowed to play. Um, so there was nothing wrong with the officiating, but it was interesting to see the tweet come through about one of the refs and one of the linesmen, the ref Carter uh, Sandlack, and the one of the linesmen was uh, Jonathan Deschamps, and they were awarded the gold medal game. And so how this works is there's a tournament director that's involved where just like teams or players would get scouted, the refs get ranked throughout the tournament, and that's how you get awarded bigger and bigger games. That's happening at every single tournament. World Under-17s, when they were Medicine Hat, same deal. The refs get graded and if they are doing really well if they're doing the best in the tournament they will get the bigger and bigger games and so the gold medal game featured this 26 year old and 24 year old who were professional hockey players two and three years ago respectively who are now refs and one's a ref one's a linesman and they get the gold medal game and it was just interesting to see that come out because with an all canadian group it affords you the opportunity to get some guys in there that maybe, you know, have decades plus experience or have put their heart and soul into major junior hockey or junior A for years. Um, it gives you the opportunity to bring these guys into a tournament like that who are probably just as capable, if not more, and have seen, obviously, considering the limited experience, seen way more calls and made way more calls than these two guys have. Now, it doesn't mean that those two guys were not worthy of being there. They were ranked at the top and you take those rankings for what they're worth. It is what it is, but it was just really interesting. And I, I couldn't help but kind of feel bad for some other refs or some other linesmen who have tried their best to make this a career. And when they get this life career altering opportunity to go work the world juniors, somebody at some point missed on, on their opportunity for a guy that's two and three years into their career. That was, uh, that was quite interesting. Um, just in that perspective, just to, to kind of see the dynamic that went on Twitter. Well, I saw a tweet actually after the gold medal game, similar to yours. I think the ranking systems was actually ranked on best sound up to start a game at the puck drop. So if you had the best call, Sick. that's how you Sick. got ranked. So <laughs> that just got to be just ridiculous after all. They're just trying to make each other laugh. Oh my God. That's awesome though, isn't it? Oh, I loved it. It was, it was so good. Was great. We kept talking. But um, I think the only counterpoint I would make, like, I don't even know if this is like, I don't think you're really making a fuss out of it or anything, right? It's just, it's just a fact. It's not a problem, but like, um, you know, these are the refs haven't refed any games in a long time too. Right. Like just like the players, it's their first time. So like, maybe 
obviously there's a ranking system throughout the games for the round robin and the the quarters and the semis so maybe you're just riding the hot hand even if it is the the younger refs but i mean yeah two to three years i mean i don't know that's that's not too much time to be deciding the the world juniors so i don't know no and i kind of put it to the analogy that like you know a former nfl player starts refing and within two years is calling the the bolt national game that's going to come up like next week like that would be kind of the similarity to the closest comparison that you could make which if that were the case you'd probably say that's fucking wild right (laughs) so i i I just i the dynamic of it was just super interesting and i was surprised that it didn't really get any any kind of narrative or any kind of run to like anywhere outside of one tweet that i saw on twitter that was liked by a guy who is a whl linesman um, mm. So I thought that was that was kind of interesting uh, all around. Before we jump off of World Juniors, though, I did want to mention uh, Peyton Krebs had himself a great tournament. Uh, the yeah. energy of Peyton Krebs was incredible for a guy who started the tournament well, but each game got better, like a lot better. The only spot I didn't love him was where they had him on the power play in that first unit. I didn't think that spot served him and his play style the best. But I think outside of that, um, what he did five on five, how he was for energy was uh, incredible, incredible stuff. Corey, anything you want to add to the, the final wrap up of world juniors? Um, Got to give love to Dylan cousins. I mean, he was the best player on Canada. Um, I think when you double everybody else in points, that's that's <laughs> something. So I don't even know how that dude, happens. Like, dude, mm-hmm. line mates, get a second assist or something. Like, like <laughs> at least get close. But um, he was dominant. It, it's tough to grade him on that last game. I saw some critiques for him on that last game, but um, yeah, good job for him. He's gonna be he's gonna crack Buffalo's roster this year. So he'll be off to the NHL. And that oh, that's one thing. Sorry to to put a to put a bow on it for me. I think. This is one of those teams like the 05 team that the next, like a year from now, two years, five years, the amount of these players that are going to end up on NHL rosters, you're just going to look back and see how good this, this team was. That's going to, it's going to be a little bit of a uh, sad sight to see that they, they didn't get the gold, but I mean, they, they put in a good tournament. That's a great point. I 100% can see that for sure. Uh, one final point for you, Lance. So if you didn't like where Krebs was set up there on the power play, would you have had him in the slot or where would you have placed him for better utilization? Well, just the way that they had it running, it just felt like Krebs was kind of being wasted in front of the net. Like just the way that the, the power play ran and how it was swinging up top and then filtering out to the sides. Usually when that guys in the front of the net, he swings out to the goal line and kind of creates that bump pass into the slot. Right. And that, that play, we didn't really see that come out all that often. So, cause we kicked this around in the group chat again with, with uh, Troy and my cousin, we we're like, okay, so who would, who else would you put in this spot? And the first person we all agreed on was Quentin Byfield. Just because if you're going to have that spot, not really be the goal line feed, then you might as well put the biggest body you can and one of the most effective bodies in front of the net. The other guy would have been Dylan Holloway, but I wasn't just crazy about Dylan Holloway across the the tournament. He kind of just went under the radar, similar to Jack Quinn did, but I thought Quentin Byfield, if he would have been on that top unit, the narrative also probably changes around that. Um, The other guy that we kicked around was Dylan Cousins, putting him there. 
and then you would definitely be utilizing him because he's your best player on your team and you're probably going to find a way to get him the puck and and that could have changed the look but i mean it's it's neither here nor there now but yeah probably byfield would have been the the obvious choice for all of us it was anyway and then you put krebs on that second line no, it totally makes sense. I love. I would have loved to, to utilize uh, Byfield size down there for sure, hundred percent. So uh, that is a wrap on the World Juniors. We'll try again next year. Try to get back in the gold medal, and I think uh, we'll, we'll have a good team next year. I think mm-hmm. Grand and mm-hmm. that Grand and that probably or obviously, um, and hopefully well, we maybe maybe. I mean, Casa could come through, dude. I know. I am so high on him. I don't know. Sebastian Costa out of Edmonton might come through and steal that job. He's so big. And he's, oh, anyway, don't get me started on Sebastian Costa. <laughs> but, uh, oh, he's so big, at least 6'5. But, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he's, yeah. But I think you got a good chance. But, sorry, go ahead. Do you want to touch on uh, Askarov's uh, performance at all? I will. I think I have to. Yeah, I, I think, think you fucking do. The viewers. Yeah. These guys have been ripping me all tournament. It okay. Yeah, he uh, he didn't have a good tournament. He didn't have a good tournament last year. I only got a couple arguments to make because I agree he didn't do great. But um, Russia had a very young decor and a very bad decor. I will say they they had some good like top picks. I mean Jan Kuznetsov and no other examples. <laughs> but <laughs> you don't like Muhammad Oh yeah, all right. Yeah, he's a first rounder. But so both of them, I think, are eighteen. I don't know. One might be a late birthday, but um, they'll have a good core going in next year. But yeah, I just felt like against the Canadians um, on that second goal. Who? What D man gives the goalie a stick anymore? That's such a nineties <laughs> thing to do. And then, oh, oh, Canada scored on it? Yeah, because you have a D-man without a stick trying to protect the front of the net. What is a scarab going to do with a player stick? That's not stopping anything. Anyway, that got me so mad. I wasn't even happy that Canada scored there. I'm like, a scarab just looks terrible now. Um, but, yeah, he just he, – he looked floppy. He looked – he still – the moment still looks a little too big for him. Um, but then again, he's 18. I think if uh, Russia can get an all right team, which next year, which they should be able to, they'll get uh, some of their D-men returning. Um, next year is going to be his tournament. There's going to be no Spencer Knight. There's, I, I just don't. Th- yeah, I think. Third time's a charm. It's got to be, though. But, like, I mean, you know, 18-year-old goalies. That I mean, name an 18-year-old goalie that's had a stellar tournament. Like, it's just, it's tough to do. Like, it's definitely a 19-year-old's tournament for forwards and D-men, let alone goaltending. So, I just felt Russia had a bad team outside of Amirov and Pod Colson. Um, and he just got hung out to dry and also hung himself out to dry. Like, hold on to your friggin' stick, bro. <laughs> it's embarrassing. Yeah, that was, that was inexcusable, right? Like, the amount of times that he lost his stick was absolutely inexcusable. And it's not even like, oh, the player coming through the crease knocked it out. He, like, no. just drops it and yeah. then, like, like sometimes like throws it away. He's like, I don't need this anymore. <laughs> I'll take my defenseman. <laughs> you know what's but, scary with Askarov though? Is that a lot. You can teach no, no, like it's scary in a good way. You can teach positioning. You can't teach athleticism like that. You He's can't huge, teach too. the way that he can move across the crease. Yeah, you yeah. can't teach size either, you're right. But just the way that he moves not only laterally, but the way he can come out to challenge and immediately cut back to a far post, like just those movements that he can make are 
probably the best in the tournament. Like, no one moves like him. But you're right. When you look at the tournament and you look at historically goaltenders that notoriously do well, they're quiet in net and they have strong positioning. And I mean, there's only so many Dominic Hasics in the world. So eventually you're going to have to learn how to position yourself. But when he gets to that next step and he gets into Nashville eventually, um, the positioning is going to be a thing that can hammer into him. And that's that's a terrifying thought that he's that athletic and that gifted that all you got to do is teach him some fundamental positioning and he can become one of the best goaltenders in the league. Yeah, no, he's definitely a project for Nashville. I mean, yeah, it's like how Taylor Gauthier plays goaltender a little bit. Like, he's just, he's just Taylor Gauthier yeah. on steroids. That's yeah, the comparison right. I'm going with. That's... Because everybody I knows how Taylor how Gauthier plays. feel about that. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So yeah, don't but... know Taylor Gauthier was the third goaltender for Team Canada. <laughs> yeah. No, I, yeah, to, to, to wrap that up, I think next year's definitely his tournament. Uh, I mean... I, I think that says something too, where uh, he was the only guy on the blue line there watching Finland celebrate their their bronze medal. Um, I mean, I think the attitude's there. So I guess I don't know. We'll see. He's still still an eighteen year old kid. So I, I'm still I'm still high on my boy. <laughs> How long are you gonna make excuses for him? Like, to what age? Um, twenty five. <laughs> no, older. He's he's, he's he's got a lot. <laughs> Um, like, like Corey Crawford coming to the league at 28 or whatever he did. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no more. More like Je- who, who came to the league? Jeff Glass came in the league late, right? Like, like 29? Yeah. Okay. Oh All right. So you're going to give him the Jeff Glass amount of time. Yeah. Guess. That's fair. Jeff, Jeff Glass did earn that amount of time, by the way. He was a stud. Oh, yeah. So that's Just, fair. But uh, no, I think he's going to be in the NHL soon. A scare off. Like I think Rene's yeah. days are numbered. Um, like he's just getting old, and Saros is the guy there now. I think. Um, so I mean, Rene, if you look, he's only got two or three more years. I think a scare off's in right there. Maybe a year in Milwaukee. But I mean, like he, because who are the two Russians? A couple of Russians that came over early um, recently. Um, well, Samsonov in Washington. Um, who's the guy? There's a guy for the Islanders and the Rangers. Yeah. Oh, right. Sorokin. Sorokin, Sorokin for the Islanders Sorokin and Shesterkin. Shesterkin for the Rangers. Like, there's three. There's your like wow. three Russian goalies that all come over in the early 20s and are now starters on their team. Like, I don't like. I, I, like Russia's. There's something in the water for goaltending over the past 20 years, but like the forward and defense has gone down. Like they don't have the lethal threats on offense anymore. I don't think. Like I'm trying to think. Since Kuznetsov and Tarasenko, I'm trying to think of solid Russians that are making a difference now. Like, I don't know. They have a couple. I don't know. I don't know. That was ten. That was ten years ago. Yeah. Mm. Wow. I don't like. I, I'm trying to think. I can't. Like Podkolzin. Nikita maybe. Filatov. Maybe. Yeah. yeah like, that would be it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Kucherov, but like he. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Anyway. Now what? What are we even talking about now? No, we're just, we're I'm, just, uh, I'm trying to get away from the Ascaro talk. Just like, no, let's not talk about it anymore. All right, we'll we'll save you back there. Uh, we will move on to uh, Tigers trivia. So, Corey, take it away. What do you got for us tonight? Oh boy, yeah, I don't, yeah. Past couple have been hard. This one, 
It should be. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I guess we'll just go with it. Um, we were doing like grinders from the 80s or whatever you said in the group. Yeah, I couldn't find enough questions. There's just, <laughs> I found one question. Name a grinder from the 80s. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Um, all right, we got 10 questions, multiple choice on uh, where is that 19 or 2019-2020 Tiger playing this season? So obviously all the seasons have been cut short, so they're not playing there right now. But where do they get some games in this season? That's it. That's, that's basically okay, it. On. Or you want to go? Gonna play or? All right. I, no, no, just think about it. Just keep thinking. <laughs> okay. All right, <laughs> um, right we're going to go um, with uh, – Maybe an easy one. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. How, we'll know after the first one how hard this is. Um, all right. We're going with Nick McCary. Nick McCary. So Nick McCary dropped down to a junior A team for this year. Okay. Uh, was it A, the Spruce Grove Saints, or B, Fort McMurray Oil Barons? And we'll go to, uh, to Colby here. Colby's going to lead us off here. Um, I think... I don't even know if the Spruce Grove, if that's their name, if it's the Saints, their name. I feel like it's something different, but maybe I'm completely wrong. It's so, the Saints, I'll tell you that. Okay, <laughs> I appreciate that. I thought you were just throwing a curveball in there. Uh, I'm going to go uh, Fort Mac Oil Barons. All right, Lance? Yeah, I honestly didn't know that he went down to Junior A. Isn't he from Calgary? I just assumed he was going to play for a Calgary team, if that was the case, so I'm kind of thrown. Um, Should have included a Calgary team. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that would I would have picked that one. Uh, I'm going to say Fort McMurray as well. All right. Yes, you are both correct. So that's where we signed him from, and he went back. That's kind of that's the team that's got his junior A rights. But Fun. all right, good start, good start. All right, another one. I think that's pretty easy. Um, actually, I won't say it's easy. Um, <laughs> going to Lance here. We're going with Drew Krebs. Is it A the Drumheller Dragons or B, the Okotoks Oilers. Okay, well, now you you simply threw in the Okotoks Oilers because he's from Okotoks and just made the comment. You're a smart guy that way. So I'm going to go, fuck, he might have, I don't know. <laughs> the more I think about it, the more that I'm like, he wouldn't, drum doesn't make sense. No. Uh, you know what? Yeah, Okotoks. Oh, you did a complete 180 on yourself. Yeah, this is what I do. Right. into it and then go with the opposite uh, I'm going to go without any hesitation I'm also going to go Okotoks I think he's going home yeah your boy went home yes winner we're the smartest alright <laughs> All right. moving up to the $500 questions here um, we're going to go with Mads Sogard I knew this was coming so in the Danish league, the what, the metal league or league or whatever, I don't know. It's the coolest name ever. Um, is he with A the Alborg Pirates or B the Esbjer Energy? We're gonna go with Colby. Oh boy, I'm trying to think of because I did. Was he? Is he? Has he been on this team since you chatted with him a little while ago? There, Corey. Like, when I chatted with him, was he on that team currently? Yeah. No. he had, no. no, they were still thinking of coming back to the WHL. Okay, okay. I thought that might give me a clue because I remember watching that. Oh, he was practicing with one of them. Okay, okay. Mm. 
Okay, I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna go with the Pirates, the first one. The Alborg Pirates. All right. Well, he's he yeah, he's from Alborg, so I'm gonna go with the Pirates. You are both incorrect. Dang it. Yes, he is from Alborg. Um, but he I don't know, and is the year before he went to the Austin Bruins, he just moved to Espira, I think as a seventeen year no, that would have been sixteen. Um he was saying just to like learn i think it was three hours away just to learn how to bill it and before he came over to north america but smart i'm surprised that's uh that's where he's playing he didn't go back home to alborg yeah you should be like drew go home drew go home drew is that the team where he's third stringer as well um i don't think they're playing but i gotta imagine he's I, I gotta imagine he's a starter. I can, but oh, I just remember there was a team. Maybe it was during your chat or whatnot. But I saw that he was like a second or third string back in 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 Denmark somewhere. Yeah, so he was practicing with Allborg. Um, okay, but uh, that was he was. They were just practicing. They hadn't done any games yet, and they relegated him to like the junior squad or like the B squad because they wanted to give their like actual goalies looks. They didn't want to. You know, I don't know. Anyway, that makes sense. Okay, he played seven games with Espirig, and he's got a nine forty one save percentage. So good job, Hell man. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's Denmark, but anyway, moving on. Fifty, but that's so, yeah, <laughs> fucking trash. Um, <laughs> all right, we'll go with his buddy, his buddy, old pal, Jonathan Brinkman. Remember him? Um, <laughs> we're yeah, we, yeah, yeah. Remember him? <laughs> um, a Alborg Pirates or B the Odense Bulldogs. Uh, is this one to me? Fuck it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, he's also from Alborg, so come on, Pirates. <laughs> Go on, Pirates. All right. All right they Colby. gotta have Front. one of. They gotta have one of their own, right? Uh, come I, on, I'm also, Colby. Come on. I'm also good. No, I'm also gonna go Pirates. Yeah, water's warm. Good. Boom. Correct. Yes. If you remember from the Mads interview, Alborg was giving him playing time. Jonathan. Uh, yeah. No, God. No, so, so Alborg's just apparently picking and choosing these days. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> They're just Rich is over there. Ruthless on the goaltenders. All right. Speaking of goaltenders, we go to last year's backup. Garen Bjorklund. Um, Colby A., is it the Fort McMurray Oil Barons? Is he there with Nick McCary? Or is it B, the Grand Prairie Storm? Oh, that's a great question. Thank you. Um, oh, my God. I've been seeing him on Insta. Where the hell has he been? Um, Where in the world is Garen? Where? And that's that's a show segment. If it makes it, if it if it helps you at all, he's playing with his brother Payson. Do you know where Payson's playing? <laughs> I'm not in depth no, with I'm the uh, Bjorklund. Who where Payson Bjorklund's playing? <laughs> anyway. uh, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Grand Prairie. All right. Oh, I was gonna say Grand Prairie too, but I feel like we've been lining up the exact same every single pick. So. Um, and I feel like he would look good in blue. So, uh, so Fort Mac it is. So I will say there is a Tigers goalie on the Fort McMurray Oil Barons. So it's not Garen. It is. It is fucking Jimmer Fredette. So yeah, Jimmer Fredette. <laughs> so so Garen, yeah, oh. Garen. 
Colby is right. Garen plays for Grand Prairie Storm. Where he's from? Where he's like? I remember seeing a goalie uh, in blue, and I couldn't remember which which one it was. It was Jimmer Fredette. It was yes. Jimmer Fredette. Oh, <laughs> what a beauty! Hey, remember him? <laughs> Not really. No. All right. The basketball guy. <laughs> him? Yes. Yeah. Wow. He came back from China. Hey, he played for the Tigers. Crazy. Um, all right, we're going with the beauty, diesel only. Baxter Anderson mm. went to his home province, playing in the BCHL. But who is it for? Who are we on now? Is it, I think it's Lance. Yeah, it's yeah. Lance. All right, Lance. Is it A the Victoria Grizzlies or B the Nanaimo Clippers? I don't know. Shit, you don't know your Tigers. You don't know. You don't know your aged out Tigers. To be completely honest, no, I. Uh, <laughs> I didn't put too much stock into it because I didn't think they'd be playing any games. Um, Fair assessment. <laughs> yeah, so I kind of just didn't pay attention. Uh, Nanaimo. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're we're on the same page here. Last all, I'm going to Nanaimo as well. <laughs> Correct. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Good job, guys. <laughs> all right, it doesn't get easier. It sucks. Oh, it's harder. Uh-oh. All right. Lance's favorite, but we're starting with Colby. Where's <laughs> Nick Pern up play? Where's Pern no, playing? No. Where's Perns? <laughs> okay. Is it A, the Omaha Lancers of the USHL, or B, the Green Bay Gamblers of the USHL? Where's Perns? Where's Perns? Uh, Omaha or Green Bay? Does he like Peyton Manning or does he like Aaron Rodgers? Uh, I'm gonna say, uh, is there even hockey in Omaha? I don't even know. Uh, <laughs> is <in> Green Bay? <laughs> it's cold in Green Bay. I don't even know if it's cold in Nebraska. Uh, I'm gonna go Omaha though. All right. Yeah, I'm trying to think because if I remember right, your boy Perns is is a Texas native, right? That's not going to help you at all here. <laughs> well, no, because the thought is which state line up with Texas more? Would it be Wisconsin or okay. would it be Nebraska? And and I'd pick Nebraska, so we're going to go Omaha. Damn, all right. The logic works. Let's go, boys. Nailed it. Look yeah, I think, he's, I think he's got like 16 games in there. I think he's a regular there. So. Nice. Good job, Cardinals just going. It's going. It's going. They don't care. They do not care. All right. Uh, we return north of the border to Saskatchewan. Um, this one a little bit different. Um, I'm going to give you four players, and you got to tell me which two of them are playing for the Yorkton Terriers. All right. Ready, Colby? Did they even yeah, get should, games in? It's Lance Dahl's turn first. They did get a few games in. Fuck. Um. Is it Lance Dahl's turn? Oh, my God. Yeah, I, just, I picked Omaha what? first. I am losing. You are correct. All right, Lance. A, Kyle McNabb. B, Brett Kemp. C, Eric Van Imp. D, Caleb Wilms. Two of those guys made appearances for the Yorkton Terriers this year. And you got to pick the two. Okay. Um, get, get the gimme out of the way. There's a gimme there. Would the gimme be Brett Kemp? The gimme is Brett Kemp. I'll give you that one. The Yorkton native. Okay, well, you gave it to me and Colby Jagoff, so uh, <laughs> thanks for that. Yeah. Um, 
I'm trying to think. So I, if I remember right, Caleb Williams isn't from Saskatchewan, so that wouldn't make sense. Um, Kyle McNabb, or who's the other? Eric Van Imp. Eric Van Imp. And I feel like Eric's from Calgary. And I know Kyle came from... It makes sense if he was born in Saskatchewan and the Blades drafted him. It makes sense in my head anyway. So I'm going to say McNabb. Okay. I think Lance laid that out perfectly. I'm going to follow suit. I was 100% <laughs> locked up there, so thank you. Uh, McNabb is from Manitoba. Yeah, okay. And you are also incorrect. It is Eric Van Imp going oh, to the SJHL for some random reason. What? So it really doesn't make much sense. <laughs> no. It sounded great, though. I loved it. <laughs> I'm not too sure of the locker room chemistry, but of all the guys to follow Brett Kemp to Yorkton Terriers, I don't think Eric Van Imp is on top of the list. Nope. Anyway. Wouldn't have pegged it. No. <laughs> Maybe Shazowski, but... No, I guess not. He would go all the way from BC to fucking Yorkton just to play with Brett. He 100% would. Mm-hmm. I should have put him in there. All right. I didn't think Eric Van Imp would go anywhere for anyone. Well, I think him and Nick McCary are good buddies. I would have thought he'd go up to Fort Mac, but I don't know. Then you got to go to Fort Mac. I always get the vibe that he just he beats to his own drum a little bit. Yeah. 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 All right. <laughs> All right, we're on the ninth character one here. Assessment. We're doing character assessments here too. Yeah, we're on the ninth <laughs> one here, boys. You've been you've been great so far. This one is a tough one. Oh boy. Um, good old locks. Good old score on your goal locks. Oh. He dropped down south of the border. Is he playing for the North Colorado Eagles in the U.S. Premier Hockey League, or? Did he follow Perns to the USHL and go to the Tri City Storm? And it's me. Cool. Yeah. Now, see, I think Lance knows this question because he also has talked. You did talk to him. You were in the batting cages and you talked about his uh, his upbringing. Well, did he not play in Colorado? I'm not giving you any intel that I have. Rick, I should really pay attention to you guys' segment yeah. tomorrow. Lance is down one here. He's got, he's got to oh. keep it. Okay, sorry. So the can you say the options one more time? Sorry. Uh, the Northern Colorado Eagles of the U.S. Premier Hockey League or the Tri-City Storm of the USHL? Oh, man. I I hope he went home. I hope he, I cause I swear he played in Colorado or where somewhere close maybe. But I'm gonna go North Carol North Colorado. All right. Yeah. So you're right. He is from Colorado. Um, love for Brian Lochner, but I honestly I've never seen him post anything about playing hockey this year. <laughs> um, he just he's posting pictures with his girlfriend doing stuff. So nice. I thought he was just not participating in sport this year if i'm being completely honest um yeah so i i honestly don't know where he's playing but my just first thought based off of him being from colorado was playing in north colorado you guys are both correct good job good job i didn't even i didn't even hear the league that he's playing in but i think he's like a point and a half points per game or yeah point and a half per game i think he's just wrecking anyway i mean he's too good for that league just put it that way. <laughs> yes. Too good of a hockey player, just too good of a person. 
<laughs> great guy. Great guy. If we're doing, if we're doing character assessments, uh, yeah. we'll always have time for Brian Long. <laughs> great guy. All right. Time for him. Last question. Um, this one's tough, but uh, unless you're unless you're a big James Hamlin fan, but we're going with James Hamlin. And because Colby's in the lead, I'm going to ask him first. And also, this is worth two points. So Lance has a chance to win here. Wow. Oh, God damn it. So, James Hamblin. Did he... So, he went over to Europe. I'll just start with that. Um, Obviously, he signed with Bakersfield, but he got loaned. Um, Mm -hmm. Did he play in the Hockey Etan, which is the Swedish third league, with Ostersund's IK... Did he do that? Or B, did he play in, I don't know if this is Mati or Mestis, um, but it's the Finnish second league with Kieko Espo. So basically, did he, did he play in the Swedish third league or the Finnish second league is the biggest thing. That, anyway. Holy shit. You have way too much time on your hands, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm always caught up, catching up on my James Hamlin facts. Dude, I know I know he was a great interview. We love him, but damn, that was a deep one. Okay. Friend of the pod. Friend of the pod? Friend, friend of the pod. Friend Hell of the yeah. pod. Oh, we got to bring um, him back. We should bring him back. Anyway. Oh, well, I mean, we'll see what his Wi-Fi his connection is in either Switzerland or Finland. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Sweden. 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 <laughs> Oh, Sweden. He might live in Switzerland. I mean, it's possible. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, I'm so bad. Um, I think he's playing for Finland, second league. All right, Lance. Yeah, so, you know, since we're doing characters, that's while we're here. Um, great, yeah. great guy. Great guy? I couldn't have enough love for James Hamlin, too. Like I, I, I'd make any kind of time for Jimmy. Um, he's one of the best people. Like just a, as a person. Like I hope he succeeds in whatever he does, and I hope it's hockey. But uh, like for a lot, a lot of guys. But like James in particular, um, life's never or hasn't been all that easy for him, and uh, he's always found a way to bounce back all the time. So, uh, so shout out Jimmy because he's a good dude. Um, <laughs> We're doing deep dives here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She's yeah. sentimental tonight. Yeah, yeah. Feeling feeling sentimental. Sometimes I'm angry. Sentimental. Um, so that being said, if he's playing in the Finnish second or the Swedish third, probably the Swedish third lead. <laughs> Why? Just because I have to pick it. Fair. And you are actually correct. Oh. Let's go. So from behind, but. <gasps> Yeah, 20, uh, 23 points in 19 games for the stud in the Swedish third league. Bump that kid up. Bump him up. He, he shouldn't be playing third league anywhere. He's no. too good for that he's, league. He's way better than third league. Yeah, well, I mean, with the AHL coming back, I think he's he's got a chance to make Bakersfield. So he, he, he ain't about that ECHL life. Uh-uh. No third league. No third league guy here. No. But uh, no. Just in Sweden. Yes, um, but uh, yeah, thanks for playing. That's where the Tigers oh. are now. They're all scattered out. But all right, well, we do appreciate that, Corey. That was uh, that was something. I was mesmerizing. That was a lot sure. of fun. That yeah, was fun. that was probably the funnest one you've done. Oh, hundred percent. Nice. So, uh, fantastic stuff there. We'll wrap things up. I know it's been a long one already. My goodness. Uh, with the NFL Wild Card Weekend 
has arrived coming up on Saturday and Sunday. Three games apiece and uh, more games to watch, like I said, with these six games, with the addition of that seventh wildcard spot, which came in this year. Uh, only one team in each league gets the bye here during wildcard weekend. Uh, the Chiefs in the AFC and the Packers in the NFC. Uh, we'll start things off with Lance. Uh, is there a game that you're most excited to watch of the six? Is there a game that you could probably have a snooze fest for? Just catch the highlights of afterwards. What's your What's your thought on Wildcard Weekend? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. I actually uh, need to pull up the schedule because I'm not used to having this many games in the uh, first week of the playoffs. Okay, I'll, um, I'll go. Screw you, Lance. You go. Lance, you got to eat your words. Cleveland Pittsburgh. It's got to be the game. <laughs> Cleveland is going to beat Pittsburgh, and that's what I'm saying. And I am so excited to see it. I'm calling it. You, right. said they, you said they couldn't get into the playoffs, Lance, but here they are. Baker, chub boy, getting in. So, I, and that'll I be that'll, that. that'll be good, uh, good rivalry matchup there. So, um, that's the one I'm excited for, Lance. You can go ahead and 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 make more wrong predictions or something. I don't know. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they they lost to the Jets, so. So don't, don't, talk, don't say we don't I didn't tell about, you so. We don't talk about that. We don't do that. And uh, to be fair, when I made that prediction, they were like two games up a safe playoff spot with like five weeks to go. So, uh, so yeah, they almost blew it. But uh, They did almost blew it, yeah. They have a, a real shot of beating Pittsburgh again. Uh, they had to week 17 to get into the playoffs. Um, they have a legitimate opportunity to do it again. I think they match up well against the Steelers. The Steelers seem to have this ability to play down to their opponent and then play up to their better ones. Um, so that it could kind of get them a little trapped. And uh, the, the Steelers are, are like six, seven point favorites right now, I think. So if, if you're going to splash money, because I know I am, uh, <laughs> taking, taking the Browns to cover if it's at six or seven points, uh, it's probably a good bet, but I don't know. Like they're all, they're all really interesting. Like I am oddly intrigued by the bucks and the Washington football team, just because like Washington, the best of, of the worst division in football this year. But I think Washington can give Tampa a bit of a run depending on how their defense holds up. And that's kind of been their staple throughout this entire season is how they play on the defensive side of the ball. Their offense is a bit of a mess, but if they can keep Tom Brady and friends in check, it's possible. It's possible. But uh, nothing really jumps out as, as something I must watch. I think it's more just a lot of really good games. Like the Ravens-Titans game is going to be good. Um, obviously, because of the Canadian fandom for the Bills, that's going to be a good one with the Colts. Um, that, that that one might be not necessarily talked about as much south of the border as it will be north of the border because the Bills are in the playoffs. But I, that one's going to be interesting because the Titans or the uh, Colts D that is is just so good this season. And Buffalo's offense over the last few weeks has picked it up again after kind of stalling through the midway point of the season. No, it's a good point uh, there. I, I'm really intrigued by that uh, opening game there on Saturday, Indy and Buffalo, just because. 
Buffalo hasn't had the uh, the postseason success. Obviously, have some struggles for for many years, linking back to uh, days of Drew Bred- Drew Bledsoe and and Ryan Fitzpatrick and whatnot. And JP Lossman going back to the mid two thousands. JP Lossman <laughs> with the flow in the back. Um, so to to see Buffalo get some playoff success would be huge. And I mean, they're in a great spot. Like you mentioned, that offense is dynamic with Diggs. Diggs had a career year, and him and him and uh, Allen look fantastic. And if they can get some, some semblance of a running game, which last year was leaps and bounds, one of their best parts of the offense. And now they are struggling to find some consistent running games. And they need that because the Indy Colts have come on as of late. They're, I mean, with Rivers, with Jonathan Taylor, he's been running like a man possessed. And like you mentioned, that defense has been fantastic as well all season long for the Colts. So very intriguing matchup. The one for me, you mentioned it as well, Lance. Uh, it is Ravens and Titans, a rematch of last year's uh, playoff matchup. Both teams are coming in on a massive high. Uh, finally, Lamar Jackson and co. are playing up to what we thought was going to be their major potential uh, heading into the season. And uh, they their offense has been great. And on the other side of the ball, I mean, Derrick Henry, the eighth guy in history to run for 2,000 yards. Uh, again, the offense is predicated on the run this time of year. It is important to run and ground and pound and, and control time of possession as well. And although the defense of Titans have, you know, kind of been hit or miss all season, kind of lower in the rankings, but uh, that game, that's must-watch in my opinion. I get the the intrigue of the the Washington-Tampa. I mean, Seattle and the Rams, another divisional matchup. That's going to be interesting. The one for me that just doesn't float my boat is going to be New Orleans and Chicago. I mean, sure, you know, Michael Thomas might be coming back and, and getting some weapons around there and Kamara off the COVID list and whatnot, but unless it's going to be another double doink situation with the bears. I, I just don't like, I don't see them winning. And I just don't think that's going to be the one game this weekend where I might tune out and just uh, catch the highlights later on. But um, yeah, it's a very intriguing weekend of football. I'm looking forward to it. And then uh, we reschedule all again with when the chiefs and the Packers come back. And uh, I don't know if we want to get into predictions now uh, after, do we have a Super Bowl prediction or any sort of final, final matchup on either end? Yeah, we did that last year. Or was that for basketball? Oh. We did it for basketball when we started the season, but we yeah. obviously never got to that this year. Might as well throw out some predictions. Go ahead, Lance. Ooh, okay. Sure. Um, it's hard to bet against the Chiefs, right? Like, the, the Chiefs are just so ways to win. And, I mean, like, the Chargers this year found ways to lose, and, and it showed, but the Chiefs just, it seems like they can't find a way to lose. Like, they just show up when it's needed and, and put a big game together. Uh, so they'd probably be my pick out of the AFC. But the NFC, I mean, you can probably throw a blanket on every single team that's in playoffs outside of maybe a couple that uh, uh, that have a realistic shot at making a run to the Super Bowl. Um, matchup-wise, I don't know who matches up better than the Saints against the Chiefs, just from a defensive perspective, the the Saints defense, probably the most superior out of the entire group. Um, If you somehow get like a Seahawks Chiefs Super Bowl, uh, you're probably going to have a combined 90 points. Um, (laughs) So that would be fun, but uh, until the Chiefs can get beat, I just, I can't bet against them to, to go win the Super Bowl. It's just, it's too tough, but 
if the Saints D can't do it, the other team I would say is Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Rodgers knows how to win big games. Um, if, if anyone has the ability to and the weapons to, and by weapons I just mean Devontae Adams, um, because it's seemingly all you need these days is, is one guy like him, uh, they might be able to give him a run. Yeah, um, I don't know too much about football, so this is all going to be guessing, but... Um... <laughs> Yeah, you got to go um, just, yeah, looking at the standings, looking at the teams um, in the AFC. I just don't see anybody that can knock off the Chiefs. I think I think you're correct. I, I, nobody that I'm willing to, to bet against, um, bet against the Chiefs over. So um, I'm going with the Chiefs. And then, sorry, who is your pick in the, the NFC? I, if I had to pick one, I'd probably lean Saints. Okay. Well, I'll be different. I'm going Seahawks. Um, yeah, I want to see some. Fun. I want to see some offense in the final. So, um, yeah, that's. Uh, I don't got too much analysis. I'm just. I'm just. I'm going with it. Are we going uh, scores or just? Oh. Are we going scores in the final. Ballsy. Okay. Well, I'm going to make my pick before you, you guys yeah, get the go, scores. Yeah. yeah uh, cool. I'm. I'm just echoing Corey. Corey took mine. I'm going to go uh, Chiefs and, and Seahawks as well. I think. Uh, if Russell can cook, continue to cook here in the playoffs, and they can get a consistent running game, and of course we've seen the the highs and the lows of DK and Tyler Lockett this year, uh, both are you know top six, top eight receivers in the game. Uh, it's a pretty pretty good starting point for a Seahawks team, and they'll have some tough matchups, 100. percent You know the Saints, like you mentioned, the Packers are going to be there as well. You would imagine, uh, but I I see the Saints coming out of the out of the NFC, so I'll go see Saint or sorry Seahawks and Chiefs in the final, and I will go with a score. The Chiefs will win, and I will have it as a 35-21. Ooh, yeah, that's uh, around the same that I would probably predict, too, to be completely honest. If, if I had to go Chiefs-Saints, it'd probably fall somewhere in the neighborhood of 30-24. I think, I think it'd be a lot closer uh, just with the Saints' defense. I think they can do a lot of things, but it, it it probably would come down to like a one possession game somewhere along the line. Um, so I, I'll say thirty twenty four Chiefs win. Corey, do you want to right. put a score on it? Yeah, um, he's got the say... calculator out. He's like, <laughs> no, 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 yeah, yeah. How many? Yeah, Six how much points for a touchdown? touchdown? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I think Mahomes goes off. Um, so we'll go forty two. The Chiefs win 42 to, uh, we'll go 17. I think they just run away with it. I think wow. they get up early and the Seahawks just have no chance. So, yeah, I'm going with the defending champs. Big. All three of us going defending champs. That's a pretty bold statement. We'll see what happens. The Chiefs were down uh, last postseason pretty big as well and they had to make some uh Second half comeback, so it'd be very interesting to see if that's the case come this postseason. Uh, anything else you want to touch on, gentlemen, before we wrap up this pod? The only thing I'll I'll throw out there because since we all picked the Chiefs, who the hell would beat them in the AFC? Who who can rival the Chiefs? I think like, it's got to be the Bills. Yeah, yeah, the Bills would be a good look. I uh, I always think playoffs come down to a little bit of, of coaching and matchups and that I mean you play 17 weeks back to back to back to back with with one break 
Uh, coaching maybe doesn't take as much of a front seat unless there's an error during the regular season, but in the playoffs where you get more film, you get more dedicated time. I feel like coaching kind of plays a bigger role. And I really like the coaching staff for the Tennessee Titans. If the Titans can, can get through this first round, they, they'd be a team that I, I would look at as, as somehow piecing together a, a stop against the, against the chiefs. But, I just don't know where it's going to come from. I really don't like the Steelers maybe because their defense, but I don't know. They've taken a lot of hits on D uh, yeah. a lot of season ending injuries, unfortunately for the, for the black and gold. So that defense was not as good in the second half, obviously as it was in the first. Um, sorry, going back to the Brady air and uh, new England, was it the Titans that beat them in the playoffs? The one it was. was. Yeah. So, I mean, Tennessee used to, used to the upset. So, I mean, yeah, last year they went through both Baltimore and New England. You're right. So, good conversation there. I appreciate that, gents. Um, that's going to wrap things up for this episode of On the Board. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash on the board podcast. We're on Twitter as well at on the board pod. And if you have been checking out our social media uh, in the last day or so, uh, you've found that uh, coming up early next week, we are tentatively scheduled to have uh, Hockey Night in Canada, Sportsnet analyst. Uh, former goaltender for the Kings and the Sharks, the Islanders, and your Medicine Hat Tigers, Kelly Rudy, on the podcast. Very much looking forward to this one. So if you have any questions uh, for Kelly, let us know on social media. We'll get those to him uh, potentially early next week when we have the podcast. We'll get that out as soon as possible. Uh, but I think I can speak for all three of us. We're very excited to talk to Kelly uh, about his, his career, his current role, the NHL season that's coming up next week, and the like. So, Yeah, it would be... Uh... It'll just be good to to kind of get a little NHL tee up. I mean, I, personally, uh, I, I think we all we all know what Kelly's uh, done in his career, and uh, and you can you can read about you know his life in hockey and where he's gone. But he's uh, he's one of the top commentators of the game right now, and his insight is is pretty darn cool that we're we're going to be able to to have some access to him kind of get his feel for what this potential season is going to look like and what this Canadian division is going to kind of shape up as a, as a guy who, you know, has been in every single market one time or another covering games. It'll be, it'll be cool to get his perspective. Yeah. I think we all got a lot of questions as to what the season's going to look like and what's, what's going to happen. I don't think anybody really knows what to expect, but um I think he'll be a good guy to ask. He'll have a different insight. And obviously he's a medicine hat legend. So um, I think I, um, we're asking for some fan questions. Anybody, if anybody's got any questions and uh, send them to us on our social media, we'll be sure to ask them. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. On both Facebook and Twitter, definitely hit us up over the weekend. And uh, like I mentioned, we'll be talking to Kelly early next week. Um, all things going according to plan. So we'll have to wait and see on that. Uh, but until then, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, for Corey Bacoskis, Lance Dahl, Colby McKee, signing off. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to On the Board. Subscribe now on your favorite podcast platform and find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash on the board podcast. Yes.